salute. We are back once again. This is the Third Eye High podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. We have a very uh, special series going on this month. This is called The Book Report. So for the next few weeks, I will be giving you some dope book reports and encouraging you to add some of these awesome uh, books to your library, right? Because if you want to really hide something from us, you know, the saying goes, you know, put it in a book. And a lot of the history, especially dealing with this country, is hidden inside of literature. So we're going to we're going to go over this uh, powerful, powerful read. And it's also a New York Times bestseller. Right. This book right here is a very great book. And I encourage anyone to pick this book up. The title of this book is called White Trash, the 400-Year Untold History of Class in America. And it's written by Nancy Ensberg, very uh, profound author. And if you haven't heard of this book, I encourage you to check this book out and pick it up. So what we're going to do here on this uh book report series on the podcast we're going to be just uh going through maybe a chapter going through a few excerpts from the book you know i don't want to give away the book because it's a great read and i encourage people to you know support the author and you know buy the book but i will say this uh, i'm going to pull out some jewels from the book right that will entice you to want to read this joint you know because a lot of the history is misconstrued in this country and a lot of people uh have a distorted perception of history but this is why things are documented and things are recorded so we could uh break down the barriers of perceived ignorance and get to some of the truth about this shit right and before I read this book, it was, you know, because it was another book I read that I'm going to do a book uh, review on, and I'll save that for the next one, but it led me to this particular book, and what it did was it confirmed the truth that was revealed in the first book, and all of this stuff is going back to history, right? Because history and law goes hand in hand. So, I want to start off with this here, right? The book, White Trash. So, where does this whole concept of white trash come from? Because I I remember when I was younger, I heard this term before, right? And what's crazy, I heard this term from a so-called white person (laughs) calling another white person so-called white trash. So, then I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's something more to this race thing. It's something more to this class thing. Because I'm like, so wait a minute. The people that invented racism, they're racist towards their own people? So then I said, well, wait a minute. What's the difference between a so-called white person and white trash? What's the difference between a redneck, a hillbilly? What's the difference between a cracker, right? All of these are (laughs) derogatory terms that was created by their own people. See, they perfected racism 
on, you know, our people, so-called black and brown people or so-called, uh, you know, black people, so-called African-American. And I say so-called because all of these are misnomers, right? We are, in fact, the original Americans, because if you go to Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 18, what is it, 1895, 1865, Webster's Merriam Dictionary, before they changed it, the definition for American applied to the copper-colored natives, keyword copper-colored natives, because your skin is more of a copper hue than it is black, right? My beard is black, (laughs) my hoodie's black. But my skin is more of a copper tone. So we're not talking about skin color. But I'm saying that to say this. When you look at that in a greater light, the original copper colored people that was here before Columbus arrived later applied to the descendants of Europeans. This is the definition for American, right? This is why, <laughs> remember, the, 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 the cowboys and Indians and These people tell you that they came from England, they came from another land, but then they say they're Americans. How so? If they all were warring for America. So we're just going to go back to this and really peel back the layers and start looking at class identity. Because a lot of uh, so-called Europeans, they hid their identities, right? They became something anew. Because this concept of white, right, concept of white, because they don't have white skin and you don't have black skin. So everything that's being played is a, is a status or class issue. It's a case in point. When you call yourself black, it's not referring to the black skin. It denotes to a status called civilitaire mortuus. Now, civilitaire mortuus is a Latin phrase in law that translates to Your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. So if black was a true identity, the people wouldn't be treated as civilitaire mortus. So how is this statement proven? In 2023, people are still protesting that their life matters, right? That's why they have organizations like Black Lives Matter when, hey, murder is a crime. Right. So you shouldn't have to shout that your life matters and someone should stop taking your life if you had a particular status that protected your life. Right. So civil to mortuus, right. The, the civil rights bill of 1964, Martin Luther King's time. Right. What were they doing? Asking the people to be civil with them. Civil rights. But if you are classified as a group of people that are undesirables or a group of people to not be respected, this black denotes to civil inter mortus. Your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. That's why you're marching for the right to vote. You're marching for the right to drink white water and sit at a lunch counter and to ride the front of the bus and all this silly shit that we were dealing with in the 60s. Well, fast, fast forward to 2023, people are still marching in the streets for decent housing and and, and equal pay and all this. So nothing really changed in this country. But in order to change things, we got to look at well, what happened, what caused this shit that we sitting in right now? Because if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. So this book, I encourage everybody, even if you're not a reader, you're going to be a reader after this one. 
because there's so many gems in this book, right? That it's going to have you looking at the psyche of the so-called whites in this country and why they have a, su- a such outright disdain for so-called black people, right? When it's not racism, it's not hatred. It's more of an envy and it's more of a, I can't be somebody if these people are around <laughs> getting to it. And it's a, it's a particular reason why one group of people in this country seem to have the system's foot on their necks. So I want to highlight some stuff from this, from this book, right? Where did the term white trash come from? So the term white trash was first coined by Richard Hacklin, right? Richard Hacklin of England. And he coined the term white, white trash when he was making a pitch to Queen Elizabeth saying that the new world was to be the trash bin, the trash bin for the poor and worthless so-called white people of England. See what's going on? So this experiment of the new world and America and the Republic and all this shit, this, this was basically, remember, they, they fought the war with England and they were trying to get out under the aristocracy and getting out under the elite and, you know, all that, the parliament and all that shit, when nothing changed because it came to the United States or America and it was just a 2.0 experiment. The same uh, ruling elite would rule over, you know, the population and there will be tiers of class under them. So this group of so-called whites were considered waste people and they considered the new world America was the trash bin for all these people right they emptied their jails and all their streets of all their poor people and murderers the robbers the criminals and they put all these niggas on ships and offered them contracts of indentured servitude hey man work a few years over there in a new land if you don't die you know we'll give you some acres of land and, and all this other shit and you can come up this was the plan to get them all out of England so they could clean up their streets, right? The vagrants were poor people. Now look at how they treat poor people in America. See, none of this stuff has changed. Case in point, I'm in New York City. We have over 73,000 homeless people in New York City, most of them black and brown people. Now, the governor is raising $4 billion for, (laughs) wait for it, the 40, over 40,000 illegal migrants that are illegally in the country, they're raising $4 billion to provide housing for these people, to provide payments, work permits, all this other shit for these people that are illegally in the country, when in their own city, they have over 80,000 people that are homeless that they're not even helping with. No funding in the shelters, all this shit is debilitating, and they got you to believe that they out here trying to help people. Well... Where is the budget for the for the homeless people in your own city? See, that concept still plays out. They don't give a fuck if you don't own land. So this was the concept of being poor. This was the concept of the class system. Because everybody that you see that appears to be white ain't really white. And white is an idea. And if you don't own land, you're not a part of the white idea conversation. This is why a lot of people that think they white and they feed into the race conversation they're not even talking about you because if you're not part of that ruling elite that that a part that has 
property, prestige, and wealth. We're talking about generational wealth, not some, you know, I just hit the lottery or some shit. No, we're talking about they tracing family lineage. And all this stuff was to be taken into account when they when they classified you as and this is dealing with their own people this ain't even you know the jim crow laws and all the other shit they was dealing with with us it first started with their own people right because in order to perfect racism you had to first practice that shit on your own people so the royal whites were referred to as rubbish right you ever heard the term many people from england they'll they'll speak of trash as rubbish but they call these poor whites in the rural areas rubbish right many of them you call rednecks and for all of these terms are real but they represent the class system when you're dealing with this concept of white because none of these people got white skin they all fell under the banner of the guise of white once you look up something the naturalization act of 1790 this is when they took an oath to become <laughs> americans and to become white paper but before this many of them were get treated like shit and then to servitude and all this other stuff all this stuff played you know the first uh uh plantation or the first colony here was roanoke roanoke virginia right that was the first colony where 98 percent of the so-called white population died couldn't toil couldn't toil the soil couldn't grow crops couldn't do shit the entire colony died off this was before jamestown and all this other shit right so getting back to this what shaped the class system you weren't considered white if you didn't own property if you weren't a landowner in fact up to like the 50s right this was a time where so-called white women couldn't even vote right remember they were the women's movement and all that this is where all that shit came from so the the so-called whites wouldn't even let his woman his mother his daughter vote so all of this had something to do with a form of power so you weren't considered free or considered white if you didn't own land you couldn't even vote if you weren't a property owner so now how does that tie into all of these so-called free black people and all this other shit where they stole land from a lot of the people that had land inherited passed down to them generationally myself included my own family i have a my family's uh scroll right it's hundreds of names and you know all these people are tied to my family tree right because a lot of our families we kept our own records right we would keep our family tree scrolls and all this other stuff so and we told the stories of you know different family and this that and the other but i found out that in 1868 we talking about three years after so-called slavery ended but they said the slaves didn't have any money and because remember the whole country wasn't under slavery for 400 years that's that's a myth in itself there's something intertwined with this story and, and we need to investigate it. But three years after slavery, my great, great uncle, William Brown, founded and owned an entire town in Maryland called Brownstown. Brownstown, named after my family's name. My mother's maiden name is Brown. So three years after slavery, my family owned an entire town. Where they get the money from if they were so-called slaves and all this other shit see a lot of them were indentured servitude where they were contracted and they were paid for by trade and see a lot of this stuff isn't how the root story plays out right because even the, the movie you know alex haley root shit alex haley died broke he got sued 
because he plagiarized the story roots. That shit had nothing to do with him. It was about, in fact, a book from a European called The African <laughs> that wrote a story from Europe that had nothing to do with here. But they plagiarized it, spent $25 million, the very first TV miniseries ever in history that they spent $25 million to show us roots around the clock <laughs> on, on our TVs. So it, 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 it kind of left us frozen in time with a story that didn't happen the way they're pushing it. And they pushed this, you were a slave for 400 years shit to give these so-called whites a new identity. They were able to hide their poor past. Wait a minute. You said they were able to hide their poor past. What you talking about, brother? Well, let's continue. So if you were a redneck, this referred to the poor whites that lived in the swamps. See, if you were hillbilly, right? This were the poor whites that didn't own land that lived in the hills. If you were trailer park trash, right? That, that, that your house was on wheels. You didn't own land. You just pulled your trailer park up to different locations, right? These are classifications of white. So there are six different classifications for this idea that you call white. All of them don't agree, but it all is tied to whether you own property or not. You don't own any land, you got an issue. But now let's let's uncover this story because they have you thinking historically that all of these so-called whites you see walking down the street, their family aren't your family. Not so. Many of them were dirt poor and many of them are still dirt, dirt poor today. So all of this stuff, your race was judged by your pedigree. It was judged by your family line. And it also was judged by your children. The condition of your children was scrutinized by, you know, your peers. And if your children weren't, you know, healthy and and uh, nicely dressed and clothed and all this other stuff, your children reflected the wealth of the family. Now, look at all of the, the children, you know, far as the black and brown communities and look at the social service programs they created and the child protective services and the child trafficking rings that they have linked with that and all this other shit they created that dysfunction with the families to break up the family dynamic now if they don't have the father with a drug charge and all this other shit where now <laughs> the war on drugs has been ended <laughs> it should be a fucking world of drug companies but that's another conversation and they got the father out the home so then you got the single mother that's struggling to try to give some jewels to the kids and then the kids end up into the system. So now you have broken families. If you have broken families, you have no generational wealth to trickle down. See, this was designed to keep our group of people in disarray to make it look like these so-called white groups are making progress. Let's go through history, guys. Salute to everybody listening in, right? So now they had something called clay eaters, right? They, they refer to a group of white people called clay eaters. What? What the fuck is a clay eater? See, you think nigger is a derogatory term. Well, you know, they could first thing they could jump out and call you a nigger and then you feel some kind of way. Well, try calling them a cracker. Try calling them a sand dweller. Try calling them a clay eater. You might, you might give these people a flashback of, of their lineage that they that they hid, that they, you know, they got dressed up nice and changed their zip code and then they hid the history of their lineage 
that they didn't come from money at all. That it's all bullshit. Let's continue. So now the clay eaters were poor whites that they had such a dirty tint to them. Their skin was more yellowish. Now you see this. You go down in the south, you'll see a lot of these poor whites. This was this all this up and up to the 60s and all that. You've seen this. These people got some help from somebody. And then shunt you for asking for help when someone caused your condition in the first place. But these clay eaters, they had something called pellagra. Now, pellagra was like a skin disease. These people were malnourished and, you know, they weren't eating good. And remember, they didn't have any land, they didn't have any property. Now, when you refer to one of them as a cracker, right? A lot of us say, well, where did that term cracker come from? Many people think, oh, because they were slave masters and they would crack the whip. Nah, money, that's not where the term cracker came from. Cracker comes from the cracker carts, right? Which originated in Florida. These were poor whites that lived on cracker carts and they sold actual fucking crackers. They were poor. They had no land. (laughs) They had no wealth and they moved from land to land selling crackers. And that's where the term cracker comes from. So when you look them in the face and you were to call them a cracker, you would retroactively put them back into a time period that they want to forget. See, everybody keeps trying to remind you that you were a slave. Well, who were all these other people before they came, before they became such prestigious, upstanding American citizens, allegedly? So they also refer to their people as sand dwellers. So you got clay eaters, white trash, sand dwellers, rednecks. <laughs> Yo, this the list go and, and this was racism uh practiced by their own people. This was their own people treating them themselves like that. They had a caste system within their own race. See, we all think that, you know, they white and they all classified as white. Not so. You didn't own property. They looked at you less than a nigga. And a nigga is a concept that was created too. Nigga just means you're ignorant of your surroundings, your creation, and why you're created and who created you. That's an idea too. So these sand dwellers, as they called them, right? And then they they referred to a lot of people as vagrants. Now, if you're a vagrant, you're you're homeless. You have no land. This is why they 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 push these social programs. We're gonna help the homeless. Well, they raising $4 billion in New York City to help migrants that are illegally in the country when they got over 73,000 citizens in their own state that they won't help with housing or anything. But yet they raise the budget and all this other stuff to say that they're going to create these social programs. When, just like the mindset of England, they hoped that these vagrants would eventually die off. Right? They hope all these homeless people just eventually catch disease and fucking die. Now, they're sweeping the streets in New York City. And the, the, the vagrants or the migrants from other countries, they're putting them up in plush hotels. They're giving them bus tickets to go to Canada. And the homeless people in New York City, they're forcibly putting them in psych wards. <laughs> they say, we're going to force medical attention on you if you don't want it or not. So a lot of these people in New York City are being arrested and admit it to psych wards and this is the help they're going to give the homeless because they don't give a fuck about the landless people and that was the inception of this America idea the new world right so this whole thing with the vagrants they didn't care 
they 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 really believed that these people were useless eaters. So then the poor whites had the poor white children that were sent to the new world, right? Because the first ships that came over here, they weren't ships coming from Africa. They were ships coming from England. In fact, they were bringing boatloads of children to the new world. Oh, you don't say. So up till 1919, did you know that the United States had child labor up till 1919? Which means your five-year-old could work in a sweatshop. This was in America up to 1919. Your five-year-old was working in the fucking car mine, the coal mine. Your five-year-old was working in, in the car, you know, in the car factories. Or if they were, that was before, you know, Henry Ford's time. But before they created the assembly line. But they had your kids working in factories. And that shit was perfectly legal. See, this concept of slavery, we got to really look at this shit in a deeper uh, level. They didn't care what color your skin was. This shit was about free, cheap labor. (laughs) And they kept it going. That whole concept with the the North was against slavery and the South, that was all bullshit they told us in school. Because the North was just mad because the South was amassing so much profit. And with profit came property owners and with property owners came the voting class so the south had the bag and they had the votes and the north was feeling some kind of way but the north and the south both benefited from the economy of slavery so he didn't want to end it for that reason it was ending because there was going to be a unification between the poor people of all races because the so-called poor whites They knew they were getting duped by the elite class above them. Look at how we see the world today. Many of the people that classify themselves as white, they think they're a part of that 1%. They think they're a part of that ruling elite that got the bag when you ain't white, white. You ain't white, white. It was a crazy series, the the Purge TV series. Anybody remember the the movie The Purge? Well, they had a, a TV series called The Purge, which was basically a mini series of the movie stretched out and it was a scene where they were speaking of this class system that I'm going over right now where this uh white couple so-called white couple the girl her family came from money but the, the guy nah, his family was kind of poor in fact his family was classified as white trash his grandma was poor, his, his mama, nobody had money. And what he was trying to do, he was trying to purge with this elite class so he can get this account, right? So basically, I'm going to kill somebody to impress my, my white counterparts so I can be treated like one of them. And what he was saying is like, man, I'll I catch a body out here because I'm not going back to poor white trash status. He wanted to be in a big house with all these rich people and he wanted to be around the money and rub shoulders. So there's a difference between white and white, white. But but again, none of these people's skin is actually white. We're all talking about the Naturalization Act of 1790. And many of them, after they became white on paper, they had to back it up with the story, which means now you have the land grab grants of 1895, where They just start giving poor whites acres and acres of fucking land. They gave them your 40 acres and the mule. They gave it to the poor whites. And they became the status symbol for success. And you became a class of people that just can't seem to get right. No matter how many policies they implement to make sure you deal with this adversity. 
but you still seem to rise over the occasion so they got to add on more oppression but let's continue so up to 1919 they had child labor they had kids working in coal mines right <laughs> this shit is crazy you can't make this up so how now are they so adamant about child protective services and we're going to stop child trafficking when they had judges linked to the shit during 2020 they had bus drivers and staff at Disney World they got caught up in child trafficking rings where kids went missing in fact the united states 800,000 people go missing yearly never to be seen again ever the the most missing people go missing in this country alone never to be seen again right and we keep thinking that this stuff is all conspiracy when if you looked at history you can look at the temperament that was passed down generationally to the people that participate in this fuckery so they had indentured servitude right many of the indentured servants you know you would work certain certain amount of years and you would be allocated land but many of the poor whites that came from england they people reneged they didn't give them the land so they were stuck here in the new world no acres of land and no skill and no wealth so they had to make a deal to pretend to become this new class but they only were the buffer system from all the other poor people of the world so they wouldn't rise up against the elite meaning if i got if i gave you a dollar and you're doing just a little bit better than someone under you you can care less about the people under you cuz you're doing just a little bit better and that's the system of class in this country so in 1776 in thomas jefferson's so-called virginia this is 1776 we're talking about the the declaration of independence and all this around this time 40% of the so-called white population right these these farmers they were landless and they didn't own any slaves 40% of the so-called white population was landless and didn't own any slaves in the 1700s this is when slavery started so somebody lied about this story now i'm not trying to say that our people didn't go through of slavery this is this is be clear what i'm saying is the timeline is bullshit and the duration across the country because remember you got 1804 the louisiana purchase right before that half of the half of the damn country wasn't considered america or belonged to the united states henceforth many of the land the people were free on those lands Many of this land was confiscated after they perpetrated this we freed the slaves mentality. Cuz we're going to go over that, right? And it's all inside the books. We we're going to we're going to check our resources on this. So the the four things they they hoped that would happen to the lesser desirable or the undesired classes of people. And this was including the poor whites, right? Because they didn't give a fuck what your skin color was. If you didn't own property, you were beneath them. So, four things that they that they hoped that the poor whites would die off from starvation and disease. Look at this country today. 
how they treat the homeless, right? Because you, to judge a country, to judge a country by its progress and its society and its prestige, you got to judge the country by how it treats its poor people. It's elderly, right? Because remember, they they shunt Hitler for all this shit, right? When Hitler said, get rid of the undesirable people in the country. But he, he really was getting at, let's get rid of the people that are pretending to be Jews. Now, I'm not making this a Holocaust conversation. Let's not do that. What I am saying is this. What's the difference from what he did and what's taking place in this country? In terms of, they got programs to help get rid of people. Right. As I said, instead of feeding the homeless, they're rounding them up and putting them in psych wards. But yet they're feeding people that are illegally in the country. In fact, all of the jobs in New York City, they're offering five hundred dollar thousand dollar signing bonuses to illegal immigrants (laughs) to work for their companies. But that's been going on in this country since forever. But now they out in the open with it. All of these companies are saying we can't find workers when the damn unemployment rate is like damn near 7% in New York City. In fact, all of the jobs that they created in the past two years, you know, we're bringing the city back. All of these companies laid off twice the amount of workers that they newly hired. So all of that was, was a facade. So to look at what's really taking place, they're doing the same thing. They're getting rid of the people that serve no purpose according to them. Your life ain't worth shit if you don't own no property. Because you don't own no property, we're not, you know, extracting tax dollars from you of a certain kind. See, the average person that say, I pay taxes, they take a little, little couple dollars out your check. They're not talking to you. Look at a person that, that can buy a property for 100000 but then you could lose your house in foreclosure if you don't pay a $2,000 property tax. See what's going on? Because it was all about those of value they had to own property. And this is why they created all these other class of people to separate those and to put some in better conditions than others. So that way the classes will fight amongst themselves and they would never see the ruling elite at the top. That's controlling everything. So they believe that starvation, that they would die off from disease. They believe that most of the poor, the vagrants would be arrested and die in jail. Look at most of the black and brown population they have incarcerated. In fact, since they made marijuana legal, you still have millions of people in jail for marijuana crimes. Yet soccer moms are selling weed on Fifth Avenue. (laughs) Make that shit make sense. This is all by design. They believe that the poor would be sent to the new world, work the land, and eventually die off. That was the original experiment. So... Thomas Jefferson said this, right? A nation that expects to be ignorant and free can never, ever be. Now, look at most of the population that are ignorant to the laws of their country, ignorant to how things are being uh, implemented on them, ignorant as to the roles of their elected officials, right? All of these people lined their pocket during this scamdemic and nobody asked any questions to these politicians that are pushing these illegal state of emergencies and all this other bullshit and basically suspending the constitution because a nation that expects to be ignorant and free can never ever be so even up till the 1930s 40 percent of the population still landless and two-thirds of them are white and two-thirds of them live in the south 
So even in the 1930s, this is why you had the situation with the Black Wall Street where these poor whites, right? Because they're not telling you why they burnt down the town in Black Wall Street in 24 hours. These poor whites were envious because after slavery, our people got busy. See, before they pushed this segregation conversation or, excuse me, the, the uh, integration conversation, when we were segregated, we did for self. That's why you had Black Wall Street. You had Black All Streets. You had hundreds of towns that, that mimicked the concept of Black Wall Street. We had black banks, bakeries, you know what I'm saying? Laundry, laundromats. We had everything. Black hospitals. We had everything because we were forced to do for ourselves. And we did. But then what happened? They had reporters uh, getting statements from the, the angry mob, right? Because they don't call them a mob when angry white people want to just fuck your town up. But the angry mob, they quoted them when they were running into the, the, the black people of the upper class, right? Because we were considered the middle class. The middle class was created for so-called black people that were thriving, that had the bag, that was just doing for self. Even after dealing with the conditions of slavery, we thrived and they didn't like that. So the poor whites that were getting government handouts that now shun you for getting welfare, they were getting the first welfare. But as they rummaged through the stores and burnt down the houses in uh, the town for Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The whites were running out, stealing furs and pearls, and they said, I quote, these niggers live better than us. These whites were angry. They were angry at the government because the government wasn't helping them when no one was helping us and we was helping ourselves. So they burnt down all of these towns that were black owned. They burnt Black Wall Street down to the ground in 24 hours. And this happened in the United States. And it wasn't deemed an act of terrorism. But then they show us rioting and protesting and they say, oh my God, look at these crazy mob of niggers that, that, that are causing an act of terrorism. But yet, they burned entire towns to the ground. That's how they give it up. They created the term angry mob. Ask Emmett Till. Right, angry mob pulled this 14-year-old kid out of his fucking house off a lie. Off a lie. And even the, the white woman that said he was trying to rape me on her deathbed, she said she lied. That's history for you. But, but I'm going somewhere with this. So all the way up to the 1930s, these poor whites still didn't have an identity, but they were creating one for them. See what I'm saying? And the way they created one was to put more hell on the backs of you. These niggas are thriving. They need more oppression put upon them so we can rise up and be this great white hope that you told us we would become 42% of the people living below the poverty line listen to this so called white people represent 42% of the population living below the poverty line in fact the opioid crisis affects 98% of so-called white people in this country. But then they tell you the war on drugs is on the black and brown community. Make that make sense. Vermont has the, the highest overdose rate. Most of the people shooting dope in Vermont are so-called white. They don't tell you about that. See, I'm just, just showing the real contrast of what's really going on historically. What has been going on. Right? We're not trying to hate nobody. We're just trying to diagnose 
the psyche of the collective. So they're saying 42% of the people living below the poverty line are so-called white. Now I want to read an excerpt from the book, right? Now, this book I encourage everyone to pick up, right? So on the podcast for the next few episodes, I will be doing the book report, right? I'm going to just be pulling out some, some dope books from my library and encourage you to add it to yours. So I want to go to a chapter in the book, New York Times bestseller, uh, White Trash, the 400-year untold history of class in America by Nancy Ensberg. And I just want to read, uh, <laughs> this is one of my favorite chapters, chapter eight. Thoroughbreds and scallywags. See, thoroughbreds and scallywags, right? We heard of those terms. Somebody's thorough, thoroughbreds, right? This person of a, of a, of a prestigious uh, pedigree, right? A good lineage. That was the thoroughbreds, right? We say that in the hood. Somebody's thorough, stand-up dude. Then you got the scallywags. We even adopted that term, scallywags. What the fuck does that mean? Scallywags is another derogatory term for poor whites this was the democrats term of it's basically a way of calling you white trash they will call politicians a scallywag basically a poor white that doesn't own land you're less than a nigga translation but i want to read something here something more dangerous something more dangerous loomed if blacks obtain political equality Long-standing animosities would resurface between the two lower classes. In Johnson's construct, blacks and poor whites triggered a war of races. Andrew Johnson's race war was not Thomas Jefferson's. However, the third president had foretold a contest of annihilation brought on by universal emancipation. See, this is what the ruling class fear. They fear people of oppression of all races coming to their senses and realizing who caused their oppression. See, they felt some kind of way if, man, we don't give these poor whites the the illusion of they better than these niggas, they might start conversing with these niggas and start looking at who's causing the oppression for everybody. They can't have that. See, that was the aristocracy problem they had in England, which they transferred to the New World. Because remember, they're still paying homage to the queen. They're still sipping, shipping money over there, and your birth certificate is tied to the, to the crown as well. We know that. But let's continue. The third president foretold a contest of annihilation, right? Brought by universal emancipation. Once liberated, slaves took their place alongside their former masters. See, this is the illusion. But most of these former masters, they weren't these poor whites they talk about. Because these niggas never owned slaves. In fact, many of them were indentured servants themselves. That came over here by way of a doomsday mission. Stole them niggas over there in the new world. Let them work the land. And if they live, maybe we'll give them some land. But that didn't happen for a lot of these poor whites. They were stuck. So now, once liberated, slaves took their place alongside their former masters. The 17th president was talking about a war of racial outcasts. As he saw it, the formerly disposed classes, one black and one white, would wage a vicious struggle for survival. 
It's caused the federal imposition of universal suffrage on the southern states. See, this is why they was trying to hold back this right to vote and all this other stuff. And this is why they created the KKK. The KKK was a government organization that basically was bullying the so-called black people that had the right to vote, bullying them from the ballot box, terrorizing the black people in, in, in the communities to make sure their vote wasn't counted so they could push whatever policy through government that they wanted. Through Johnson, though Johnson soon abandoned his white trash republic, see? They even referred to Andrew Johnson's presidency as a white trash republic. He, he thinking, his thinking allows us to better visualize the existing spectrum of ideas about reconstruction. It is meaningful too that the recently established Freedmen's Bureau paired impoverished whites and freed people that not as cutthroat adversaries, but as the worthy poor. So wait a minute. So the Freedmen's Bureau, they set up for poor whites and poor blacks. We on to something. I want to share something with you guys. The Freedmen's Bureau was the very first concept of this welfare system, the welfare program. But the Freedmen's Bureau, this is where the concept came from. Okay, we freed these people after we enslaved them and got generations of free labor from them. We're going to give them the 40 acres and the mule. Now, the Freedmen's Bureau was set up to give the distribution of land to our people. That never happened. But remember... Another group of people got your 40 acres and a mule. The same people that's telling you to get over your slavery story. The same people that's telling you them niggas don't deserve reparations. Because they already got your reparations. Let's continue. This book is powerful shit. And it's written by their people. Right? It's written by a Jew. You know what I'm saying? I can't make this shit up. But I will, I will salute truth rises continuing on the freedmen's bureau paired impoverished whites and freed people not as cutthroat adversaries but as the worthy poor from its inception in 1865 right this is after slavery shortly before lincoln's assassination see this is why they assassinated your boy lincoln too see lincoln didn't free no goddamn body lincoln was trying to get reelected. And he didn't want to ruffle no goddamn feathers. So, hey, the North was feeling some kind of way that the South had the bag. And they had the bag. They had the votes. They had the votes. They had the political clout. Shortly after, shortly before Lincoln's assassination, the Bureau was specifically empowered to extend relief to all refugees and all freedmen, black and white hmm I want to share something with you I'm going to give you some game people you ever notice the speech the emancipation proclamation how many people actually read the emancipation proclamation I just want to ask you guys something how many of you actually read the emancipation proclamation remember this and and we're in so called black history month so I want to give the jewel of jewels to my people Emancipation Proclamation starts off, free all such persons 
held in bondage. Lincoln says, free all such persons held in bondage. Well, wait a minute. We only talking about slaves from Africa and shit, right? So why didn't it say free all these black people from Africa? Why did it say free all such persons held in bondage? Because you had poor whites that was working the land too. You had poor whites that didn't have shit either that ran to the Freedmen's Bureau trying to get a handout. You don't say, oh, they didn't own a bunch of slaves and they had the bag. They was with their handout trying to get a bag. I wonder why they never shared that to you in history class. All refugees, right? Lincoln said, free all such persons held in bondage. He was talking about a lot of these poor whites. See, this is the history they don't want to talk about in this country, but we got to talk about it because they keep making you seem like you this worthless group of people that's always trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Remember that bullshit they created when they created all these land grab, land grab uh, subsidies, these farming subsidies, these housing subsidies for all these poor whites and gave them a new identity. And they look down at you the same way the elite look down at them. In debating the Bureau's merits, many senators agreed that the destitution of white refugees, now beggars, white refugees, I ain't never heard of that term, white refugees, now beggars, dependents, houseless, and homeless wanderers. This is how they refer to their poor white class. This is after slavery. So where is all these rich plantation owners they've been telling you about? And this is why they keep showing us all these slave movies. To hide their poor identity. In Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, and Tennessee, the Bureau extended twice. Twice. Listen to this. Twice, in some cases, four times as much relief to whites as to blacks. In Georgia, nearly 180,000 white refugees, every time I see that term, white refugees secured food and provisions. So the first recipients of welfare were poor whites. Hmm, wonder why they didn't share that with us. Because they were too busy pushing these bogus stereotypes of your people. Continues on. As Republican Congressman Green Clay Smith of Kentucky noted during the debate to extend the Freedmen's Bureau in 1866. There are a large number of white people who never owned a foot of land, who never have been in possession of any property not even a cow or a horse, yet who have been as true and devoted loyalists as anybody else. The problem of the South went deeper than the war itself, Smith acknowledged. The twin evils of poverty and vagrancy were a permanent fixture among the white population. You don't say. Yet few bureau officials embraced Smith's vision of loyalty, honorable poor whites. Those who visited the refugee camps or watched what one New York Times correspondent called the loathing whites in southern towns offered little in their favor. 
a skeptic in New Orleans offered this droll observation. Although poor white trash had proven themselves incapable of doing anything before the war, they had suddenly discovered a trade in refugee business, by which he meant living off government handouts. Hmm, this is the white population talking about they poor white population in 1865 after slavery ended. They saying these poor whites just need a fucking handout. You don't say. Now keep in mind, as I said, in this time period, three years after slavery ended, my great-great-uncle owned an entire town called Brownstown in the state of Maryland. See, the more they keep you suspended in this, you was a slave and all your family was just slaves and all this other shit, they could hide the fact of all the land they stole from your people, all the deeds they forged and all this other shit. Where do you think the term squatter came from? Man, do you know Thomas Jefferson was classified as a fucking squatter? You know, a squatter, somebody sits in and do a quick claim deed and try to steal your property out from under you? Yeah, poor whites created that. You're welcome. Man, I, I, I love history. I'm telling you, you're going to get this kind of stuff from my podcast because they hit a lot of this truth in these books. And if I just show you a movie on slavery, I can tell you whatever narrative I want to tell you. But if you go through them documents, right, and you can go through the Freedmen's Bureau documents and you'll see a lot of the white population listed on the rolls. In fact, the Freedmen's Bureau was the first concept of welfare, which was given to to the white population. In fact, up till the 1900s, 80 percent of the white population in New York City were illiterate, couldn't read or write. See, they, they, they clown us for having Ebonics and all this other shit going over yonder, boy. Fetch that bale of cotton and bring it here. Them niggas would, would talk like that in real life because they were uneducated. They were poor whites. See, a nigga could talk you to death about some Seinfeld shit, and he sounds intelligent. But really get to the gist of his soul, these people ain't talking about shit. They already showed you 80% of the transcripts and diplomas in this country are forged. So a lot of these people in these high prestigious positions, I went to Cornell, I went to this college. IAB, it's all bullshit. Continuing on, there are a large number of white people who never owned a foot of land, who never have been in possession of any property, not even a cow or horse, yet who have been as true and devoted loyalists as anybody, right? Remember, we were speaking of uh, this part here. He says that they called them loathing whites in southern towns, offered little in their favor. A skeptic in New Orleans offered the draw, right? Here we are. They referred to the whites, which meant living off of government handouts. In Florida, the bureau agent Charles Hamilton, who later served in Congress, confessed to his superiors that freedmen were only marginally below the white plebeians of the South. In the intelligence, widely circulated bureau reports claimed that hundreds of thousands of destitute whites lived off Uncle Sam's rations. So all of these poor whites, they was telling you, yo, these niggas was against the war and they was against slavery and all this. They didn't care. They was trying to eat. They didn't care who won the war, who lost the war, because after the war was won and slavery was done, these people needed handouts. Why don't they tell you this in history? 
why don't they tell you that that Emancipation Proclamation was mostly for poor whites? That shit had nothing to do with your people. In fact, they were able to usurp a lot of our people's lands that they owned by classifying them in the Census Bureau as former slaves. That was the trick that they pulled. We ain't gonna do no bullshit bogus black history. We, we gonna talk American history today because American history is your history and you are the true American. Keep saying, I'm, a, I'm from Africa, I'm an African. Well, if you came from Africa and they call you an African-American, right? An African in America. Well, these people came from Europe. Why aren't they called European-Americans? These so-called whites are just called Americans because they traded places with the original American. Did you know that the Nile River connects to the Mississippi River and we went back and forth from the other side of Africa doing trade for thousands of years before these people showed up? But they got you looking at the continent over there and you're not looking at the hub over here. Get out your feelings and get into the facts. Continuing on, this is chapter eight, Thoroughbreds and Scallywags from the book White Trash by Nancy Ensberg. They said they was living off of Uncle Sam's rations. The typical recipients were women covered in rags and filth. So after slavery, the white population, they women were tattered up, wearing rags and filth. This is why they classified these people as white trash. The typical recipients were women covered in rags and filth and a dozen greasy and dirty little innocent prattlers in training. Perhaps the most damning assessment came from Marcus Sterling, a union officer turned civilian administrator. After working as a bureau agent for four years in the rural Virginia, he wrote a final report in 1868. 1868, the same year my great-great-uncle purchases an entire town. You don't think these poor whites would have been mad at my great-great-uncle? Sure they would have been. So anyone that had wealth of that time that was classified so-called black, they targeted you. This was way before they burnt down Black Wall Streets and all that. Right. They never wanted you to do for yourself. I quote one of our famous researchers, Dr. John Henry Clark. No one wants the so-called black population to be responsible handlers of power. Another quote from John Henry Clark, because a lot of our people that, you know, seem to be black historyed out and Africa'd out, they forget the quote from our esteemed scholar, John, uh, our esteemed scholar, John Henry Clark. He says, it's nothing wrong with the word black. Nothing at all. It just doesn't connect you to a land, a history or a culture. He says the name of a people must always relate to land, history and culture. That's why they called you black, to black you out of history. That shit got nothing to do with your skin color. We got to get out of that. This is pride I'm talking about. Black simply means civilitaire mortuus. Your rights are civilly dead in the eyes of the law. That's why you're screaming your black life matters. We got to come to our senses with this shit for the generations to come. We can't feed the babies this bullshit slavery story. 
We got to get it right. We got to tell it in this proper context. Continuing on. While he believed that black freemen had made great progress where more settled were more settled, industrious and ambitious as a result of federal intervention and eager to achieve literacy with honest pride and mainly manly integrity. The same could not be said of that pitiful class of poor whites. So you got a white union officer that's running the division of the Freedmen's Bureau and he's saying, yo, all these so-called black people after slavery, they getting to it. They seem to have pride. They seem to be working businesses. They working for themselves. They making it happen. These poor whites seem to be needing more handouts than the slaves. See what's going on? See what happened? See why you never got your 40 acres and a mule? They say these niggas don't need it. They thrive so much off adversity. Look at them niggas go. So we're going to give all of the shit we promised to you, to these poor whites. And then they would look down on you a little bit more when they got your 40 acres and a mule. That's why they all against you getting reparations. But yet, the Jews seem to get yearly reparations every time we look up. This is why they have no sympathy for your plight. Because they were struggling after slavery. But they made it seem like they made all this money historically because you were their slave and their property for 400 years. When 80% of these niggas were too poor to even own property. This shit is all cap. I would laugh my ass off in history class if they would have gave us the game. And it's crazy. I got kicked out of every history class all through school. Because I would research the bullshit they was putting down. Have a conversation with your child while they disrupting class and they don't want to sit still. Because they don't want to be brainwashed. Man, this I'm going to read that part again. He says, while he believed that black freedmen had made great progress were more settled, industrious, and ambitious as the results of federal intervention and eager to achieve literacy with honest pride and manly integrity. The same could not be said of those pitiful class of poor whites, the only class which seemed almost unaffected by the Bureau's great benevolence and its bold reform. In the race for self-reliance, poor whites seem too many bureau agents never to have left the starting gate. So no matter how much help they give these whites, they gonna always complain that these niggas got it just a little bit better than us. Because it's something in you, that God particle that they don't got. Mankind and man. Kinda like man and actual man. We, we talking about two different types of species on this planet. Agents of the Freedmen's Bureau were not alone in offering a grim prognosis for poor whites. The journalists from major newspapers headed south, sending back regular dispatches and publishing monographs for curious northern readers. Prominent articles appeared in the Atlantic Monthly, Putnam's Magazine, and Harper's Newly Monthly Magazine. The New York Times published a series of essays on the subject. In 1866, it anonymously uh, corresponded, authored 
a scathing expose of white poverty, accompanied by the innocuous title from the South Southern Journey Journeyings and Jottings, writing from the Chicago Tribune and Boston Advertiser, the Illinois-based reporter Sidney Andrews expressed his unvarnished views of wretched whites, which he reissued as a book, The South Since the War. After having been a correspondent for the Cincinnati Gazette, Whitelaw Reed compiled his unsympathetic observations in a travelogue after the war, a tour of the southern states. Finally, John uh, Trowbridge produced the South, a tour of its battlefields and ruined cities, which focused a harsh lens on rural whites. So you got all of these prominent magazines and newspapers that documented the country's uh, climate after slavery. And it's talking about all these poor whites complaining that they just can't make it. They need a little bit more help from the government. You don't say. (laughs) All of the above were published in a single year in 1866. Yet one of the most talked about books is those wobbly years came out before the war had officially ended. Down in Tennessee in 1864 was also a travel account. Its author, the New York cotton merchant and novelist James R. Account, its author, the New York Times cotton merchant James R. Gilmore. His argument was unique because he distinguished between mean whites and common whites, arguing that the latter class was enterprising, law-abiding, and productive citizens. They stood in sharp contrast to the shiftless, thieving, and brutish mean whites whose homes were reminded, who reminded him of a tolerably kept swine style or dog kennel. Oh, they said the way these whites was living after slavery, it was swine style and like a dog kennel. This they own people telling the truth. Though he identified this group as a minority, (laughs) the first term minority came from a group of poor whites, they were still a dangerous class. Said owing their infectious character, they were a diseased segment of the prostate, of the prostrate South, a fungus growth on the body of society absorbing the strength and life of its other parts. All of these writers had a common desire to unravel the enigma of the Southern racial and class system in order to uh, prostigate about its uncertain future. If they agreed on any point, it was that which was summed, summoned by one of Sidney Andrews' imitators. It is now not so much a question of what it is to become of poor blacks of the South, it is of what is to become of the poor whites of the South. I'm going to stop there. Oh, my God. This this chapter alone is so revealing as to the real historical accounts of America. So what have we learned in that short chapter? That a lot of these so-called whites changed their identity after slavery. They don't want to be tied 
generationally to those landless poor whites that are their ancestors. So they keep reminding you that your ancestors were slaves so you wouldn't question them and say, well, what were your ancestors? See, by default, you think that their ancestors were all slave masters. Uh-uh. That Emancipation Proclamation was to give white welfare to poor whites. Man, why didn't they tell you this shit in school? Because, you know, I'd have been breaking bread. You know, hey, hey, you think you need a few food stamps? You know what I'm saying? You might have given some to your poor whites because they hid their identity. And historically, they keep shunning our people like we the have-nots and we don't have shit. Matter of fact, more whites committed PPP fraud than black people. But they're not going to tell you that in the news clipping. They's going to tell you all these niggas out here scamming for money and all this. Well, what do you think Bernie Madoff and Ponzi scheme, what do you think that's about? See, black people might rob you of your wallet personally. White people going to rob you of your generational wealth. They're going to they gonna, they gonna take the whole damn family's money, right? This is how they give it up, that white-collar crime and blue-collar crime bullshit. But they created this concept of welfare because it was so many poor whites after the slavery thing ended. Because when they had slavery going on, a lot of these whites were working as indentured servants. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh my God, so they were slaves and we... That ain't what I'm saying. I'm telling you that many of them were working alongside. But a lot of our people amassed a lot of wealth after this stuff ended because we started to be self-sufficient. We started to stick amongst our own people. We started to look out for each other. We started to do the shit that every other race is doing today that we're not doing. Right? And we got to get back to that. But this is what Martin Luther King says. He says, I feel as though I integrated my people, integrated my people into a burning house. See, when we were segregated, we had our own schools. We were responsible for what our kids learned. But the minute we integrated into schools, now they could brainwash you and tell you whatever they want to tell you about history. That's where the danger came in. Now, I'm not saying we got to stay away from people and hate people. No, you just got to do for your own people as you should. That's not racism. That's not, you know what I'm saying? They make you think that that's a bad thing to do for your own because every time we did for our own, we surpassed these people in everything, in all walks of life. So they can't have that. They have to be around to monitor your progress or to create opposition to stifle your progress. But I want you guys to pick this book up. Powerful read. New York Times bestseller, White Trash, The 400-Year Untold History of Class in America by Nancy Ensberg. And what's crazy, I was on a train maybe six years ago in New York City and I'm reading this book and, and there's a European across from me. You know how you can feel somebody watching you or somebody, you know, observing. And I'm reading this book and I can notice like, yo, this, this, this cracker is staring at this book. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm reading and reading my whole train ride. And the guy comes up to me with tears in his fucking eye. White guy comes up in tears in his eye. He's like, man, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know, know my own family's history. In fact, he tells me his great, great grandfather worked in Barbados sugar plantation 
oh shit you don't say right because a lot of those white slaves were sent to the islands they don't tell you this shit so he's telling me this story and this white guy's in tears and you know i'm, I'm you know i'll shake his hand oh you're a brother i'm not looking at looking down at you for knowing your real history but i am saluting you for stop for stopping the fraud for for stopping the perpetration of this prestigious bloodline you came from when many of the so-called white population they can't trace their history beyond the 1800s see all of this shit was a whitewash so to speak and they became white they wiped out their poor past but this 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 white guy was in tears about this book and he's like man that's one of my it's one of my favorite books man I, i i didn't know now many of them if they understood the story they would have more compassion for your plight more understanding of why you're saying where the fuck is our reparations that we were supposed to get from this freedmen's bureau that you gave to the poor whites see they got the reparations that you didn't get that's why they're telling you to shut up about your reparations but we not shutting up you still gonna get that bag up because you took land you took my family's land that i i have proof that you took it right they they took the town that was named after my my great-great-grandfather the family's name they took this town and declared it uh, a public uh, public domain. And that's what they did with a lot of the so-called black people's property after slavery. They declared that shit public domain, built a public road or a park or some shit, and stole your family's land, acres and acres of land. They did this shit legally. It wasn't legal, but you know what I'm saying. They ran the office, you know, the patent office and all that. So it was legal on their end. But many of our family, even after slavery, they put in claims to, to get back money that was due. And they would they would give all these strenuous tests to the people to prove that that's your family member. So it was a lot of unclaimed money, a lot of unclaimed lands. All this shit happened during the Freedmen's Bureau after slavery. They don't tell you about this shit in history. I don't, I don't care if you go to college majoring in history, they're not going to tell you this shit. But it's hidden in the books and it's, and it's up for us to actually take the time to do the research to find these things and share this with the babies so they understand why they're dealing with the reality we're dealing with. You can't just dismiss it and say, oh, it's racism. Well, where does this shit start at? Where did that whole concept of race come from? And it came from the class system where they first practiced racism amongst their own people. Now that's the part I want you to grasp when when you go into this book. Understand that they created that term of racism by first being racist on their own people. See, that whole concept of this black and white thing is to mask the fact that the elite is controlling everybody. Usurping the wealth and making everyone fucking wage slaves. That's the, the whole thing. I'm not trying to you know, shun down some people and say we're better than them and they're poor and this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's people that are that are rich in profit but poor in spirit. There's people rich in spirit but poor in profit. And we have to know the difference. Hold your head up, young people, during this so-called Black History Month, because we ain't black. You are the indigenous people of this land. You are the true American. But I'm talking in terms, right? Black is a status, just like white trash was a status, just like hillbilly was a status, just like redneck is a status, right? The minute you say that to a so-called white person, they know whether this person owns property or not. 
they know whether this person is the elite class of white that we talking about or they just a nigga that got a couple dollars and we classify them as white. See, all of this is significant when you're dealing with the history in this country. Until next time, I am your host, JF Bay. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. And this is the book report. Each episode, I will be giving you different book reports from very powerful pieces of literature that I have in my library. And I encourage you to add these books to your library, right? Because reading is fundamental, right? Peace, love, and more light. Get all fair. Get more and do more with your 24. You want to you support the podcast? You can do that in the following ways. You paid attention. That's an exchange of currency. Equal compensation. I give thanks. You sharing the podcast. You, you talking about what you heard on the podcast. You subscribing and liking the podcast. That's a form of donation. You want to send a monetary donation for the work that we do here. You can hit my cash app, dollar sign, far out flow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W, dollar sign, far out flow. And as I said, you already got the download. You already got the information. You paid attention. That's an equal exchange of currency. I share my sweat equity by giving up my light and you shared your equity by paying attention. Equal exchange of currency. So I'm compensated nonetheless. But as I said, if you want to support in other ways, hit the cash app. But until next time. I'll catch you guys on the book report. The next one we will do is another powerful book that goes along with this one. And I'm showing you the timeline of history because history and law goes together. Until next time, this is the Third Eye High podcast. Keep your third eye high. Salute.